I have returned. Welcome to another installment of the Reagan Griffin Jr. Show. Thank you guys all so much for tuning in. Y'all, today, first ever installment of Hot Take Fridays, man. Hot Take Fridays, we're starting up. You know, it occurred to me, because it's Friday, it's 9 o'clock on a Friday night. I'm recording this now. And it occurred to me, I'm not going to be releasing this until Monday. So you guys don't get to hear these hot takes and hear my reactions to them until Monday. So does it really make sense to call it Hot Take Fridays? Because I'm I'm addressing them on Friday, but you guys don't receive it until Monday. You see what I'm saying? I don't know. I'm going to keep it Hot Take Fridays for now, but I might have to change that in the future. But... Hot Take Friday is the episode where you guys get to submit your most scorching hot opinions on sports, on entertainment, on music, on anything. I'll address it as well as I can. You know, obviously my specialty is within sports, but I'm not scared. I ain't never scared to go to go elsewhere if need be. But you guys give me your most scorching hot opinions and I run through them. Give them the old Reagan Griffin analyze thing. I don't know where I was going with that. And I tell you whether or not I'm taking it or I'm baking it, right? So if I'm taking it, I accept it. I can get behind it. I might not 100% agree with what you said, but you know, if I'm taking it, it's something that, you know, I can see where you're coming from. I can get behind that take at least a little bit. But if I'm baking it, not to bake something, that's a Memphis turn, right? It's the equivalent of, uh, you know, roasting it. I'm checking it. I'm teasing it. I'm making fun of it. You get the gist. If I'm baking it, I don't like to take it all. It's garbage. Get it out of my face. I'm not with it at all. So without further ado, Let's officially get into the first episode of Hot Take Friday. All right, all right, all right. First ever Hot Take Friday take comes from Marshall Jones, former classmate of mine. Marshall says, Marshall believes... Ja Morant should have been on the 2K cover instead of Zion Williamson. For those of you who don't know, 2K had three players on the cover. They have three different editions, one of which is Damian Lillard, one of which is Kobe Bryant, and the last is Zion Williamson. So, I'll be upfront about my bias. Ja Morant is probably my favorite player in the NBA right now. The grace... The creativity, the fearlessness, that chip on his shoulder that he plays with, man, it's also captivating to watch, dog. And, and frankly, he's exceeded my expectations because the second Memphis landed that number two overall pick, I was already hyped. But I understood, you know, sometimes it takes rookie point guards, it takes them a little bit to adjust. We saw it with Trey Young last season. It took him about half a season to get his feet under him. Nope, not with John Morant. Dude got on that court and took off from the jump, man. So for that reason, Marshall, I'm going to take your hot take. I'm taking it. I do believe that he deserves to be on that cover more than Zion Williamson for the exact same reason that I believe John Morant deserves whatever happens in this bubble, right? Whoever ends up with that eighth seed in the playoffs, I still believe that John Morant has earned that rookie of the year nod over Zion Williamson, and for the same reason, I believe he deserves to be on the cover over Zion. Your best ability, my dad always loves to say this, 
especially when it comes to sports, but really any industry that you could possibly work in, your best ability is availability. Let me say that twice for y'all. Your best ability is availability. If you can't be there to actually do your job, then you really don't serve a whole lot of purpose. And right, it's clear to me that 2K, they probably had Zion slated for this 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 cover from the very second that he said, I'm entering the NBA draft. They were like, oh, we got to put Zion on next year's cover. I mean, Zion is a money-generating machine. From age 16, when he was in Spartanburg, throwing down 360-degree dunks at 16 years old, that dude has been a market himself. Wherever he goes, the money flows, rhyming accidentally. So it makes sense why 2K would want to put Zion on the cover and to Zion's credit. I'm not going to sit up here and deny that the dude is undoubtedly a special caliber of talent, man. We've never seen a guy like Zion Williamson, and I'll be upfront about it. The dude's better than Ja. If we're going player to player here, Who's the better basketball player? I'm taking Zion Williamson. But if the objective of the 2K cover, right, is to honor the previous season and to say who were the players that that had an impact last season that we, we think deserve to grace the cover this year, if that's the purpose of the cover, then Ronnie 2K, he dropped the ball, man. He dropped the ball. I'm going to state the obvious. Zion Williamson has not even played 20 games yet. He hasn't played 20 games. Dude has played 19 games, and he's undoubtedly been spectacular through those 19 games. But how on God's green earth can 2K justify giving the cover to Zion, a dude who's played 19? Teen games in the NBA over John Morant, who has played in 40 more games than Zion. Ja has played in 59 NBA games, tore it up. He led his team to a better record in those 59 games. He's owning the eighth seed right now. And by my estimation, I'll I'll be straight up, man. I think that Ja Morant has been every bit as exciting to watch as Zion Williamson. And I stand 10 toes on that statement. Because as exciting as Zion is to watch, right? We know the the the, the high-flying acrobatics, the lobs, even the rebounds, right? The dude is just insane to watch, but it's something about watching a dude create with the ball in his hands that's just magical, man. The things that Ja can do like I referenced before, the creativity, the dexterity, the change of pace, the speed, the imagination, the dude, he creates magic with that ball, man. And because he's able to do it with the ball in his hands, unlike Zion, it's about just as exciting to me. Just as exciting to watch John Morant as it is to watch Zion Williamson. So, again, you can't justify putting Zion over Ja if you're 2K. The only justification is those dollar signs because you know Zion's going to bring in more money. People would much rather see 
Zion Williamson on the cover than John Morant because time and again, people fail to care about Memphis. Don't know what it is about Memphis, but they always end up the underdog somehow. We always end up the underdog somehow. But it's clear that there, there was no debate within 2K. There was no discussion who should we make on the cover this year. It was going to be Zion from the jump. There's nothing that Ja could have possibly have done. Right? Ja could have went out there and dropped 25 a game. He wasn't taking that, that cover away from Zion Williamson. There's no way. There's no way. He was set up to fail. But I agree with you, Marshall. If we're talking in terms of who deserves it more, it's John Morant. I'm taking that take. Next up, we got Mark Bowen. Mark says Dak Prescott will win MVP next season. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Cowboys fans, man. Y'all kill me. Cowboys fans kill me, bro. Y'all trip me out. One second. One second. Here it is. Here, I'm going to be a Cowboys fan. I'm going to put on my acting hat real quick. One second, it's, oh, Dak's asking for too much money. Dak wants way too much money. He don't deserve all that money. Why don't he just take what he deserves and we can get on with this contract negotiation. We can put all that to the side and play football. He's asking for way too much money. Next thing you know, it's, well, Dak's an MVP candidate. Dak's going to win the MVP. Which is it? If he's an MVP candidate, pay him like an MVP candidate. If he's not, quit talking about him like he is. Come on now. But in terms of the take, Mark, I'm going to bake this one, man. I'm baking this take. I'm baking it. And, and the reason is because you said, because I actually had to reach out to you because um, I wanted to clarify. Did you mean next season or did you mean at some point in his career? Because if we're talking at some point in his career, I wouldn't put it past, I wouldn't put it past Dak Prescott to win an MVP. But this specific year, nah, no way. And yes, I know his receiving core is arguably one of the best in the NFL. You got CeeDee Lamb, you got Amari Cooper, you got Michael Gallup. Word on the street is now they're looking at David Njoku because he put his name on the trading block. I get that. I get, yes, we've seen Dak Prescott play at an MVP level before. I get that. And yes, I I, I, I get why you could think that Dak Prescott might be primed to win the MVP, but let me tell you, it's not the right timing, man. And here's why. You name me the quarterback, or even just any MVP. You name me the MVP season that was played under a franchise tag. I'll wait. Doesn't happen. You name me the MVP that won the year after his team brought in a potential replacement for him, right? That Andy Dalton move, that was strictly a leverage move from Jerry Jones to say, you sign this franchise tag or we agree to a new deal. If not, we have your replacement ready to go. You name me the MVP that won under those circumstances. I'll wait. It doesn't happen. You name me the MVP that won in the midst of an intense and public contract negotiation. 
I'll wait. It does not happen, you guys. And I know it's easy to forget about all of these outside factors that we don't see on the field. But that stuff plays into it, man. 100%. I will stand by that statement any day of the week. Stuff like a contract negotiation. Stuff like having a, a guy who's primed to replace you on the bench. All of that plays into the product on the field. So the, the situation down there in Dallas, man, it's just way too shaky right now. Way too shaky, way too unstable for an MVP caliber player to come out of it. And I suppose you could pose the argument, well, Dak Prescott's going to want to prove that he deserves the amount of money that he's asking for. That just feels so arbitrary, right? Like, oh, he's going to want to prove it. Like, Dak Prescott has played about the best football that Dak Prescott's going to play. I believe, at least. I don't think there's going up from here for Dak Prescott. He can improve in some minor areas. He can make some tweaks to his game. But for the most part, I think we've seen Dak at his ceiling. So it's not like he's going to take some astronomical leap. Which begs the question, why would he be an MVP this year, given all of these circumstances? I don't think it's going to happen. Mark, your take is baked, bro. Next up, this one's kind of a hybrid. I have two takes here, and... They both are about the same situation, same player, same team, but they're on completely opposite ends of the spectrum. One's extremely positive, one's extremely negative. So I'm gonna mush them together. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna. You can't, you guys can't physically see my hands right now, but I'm kind of just mushing the takes together. Bro, what are you talking about, man? Right, in order to prioritize, maintain efficiency, all that good stuff. So on the one hand, you have Carlo Jimenez. Carlo says Cam Newton will win a Super Bowl and in doing so will tarnish Tom Brady's legacy. Right, it's basically saying Cam Newton's going to go win a Super Bowl and because he won a Super Bowl under Bill Belichick, everybody's going to look to Tom Brady as a product of Bill Belichick. And on the other hand, you have Mac Magnus. And Mac, he's saying the Patriots will be ass. These are Mac's words, not mine. You know, don't come for me for cussing. This is Mac stuff. The Patriots will be ass with Cam Newton and will win less than six games in this upcoming season. Wow, two very opposing takes. So Carlo and Mac, one of you guys is getting taken and the other one's getting bacon, baked. Baked bacon. I don't know. But obviously I can only agree with one of these things. Now I've talked about Cam on this show before. So those of you who've heard that or have heard me talk about Cam in general, you know how I feel about the dude. I have fat heads in the other room, right? I'm in my recording room right now. In the other room, my bedroom, I have literally fat heads of Cam Newton on the wall. I have a jersey of Cam Newton in my closet. I wore Cam Newton cleats coming up when I played football. I, I think the dude, is he's so brilliant. He's charismatic. 
He's somebody that I believe has gotten the short end of the sticks more time than one. People love to define him by one play, right? The Super Bowl against the Dem the Denver Broncos. The fumble. He didn't go down and get it. After the game, kind of pouted. He left the press conference early. People like to define him by that night. I don't do that because Cam Newton, to me, so much more than what occurred on that night. He's immensely, immensely, absurdly talented. And it's really crazy to me that the dude's only getting paid $550,000 guaranteed because he's worth so, 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 so much more than that. They call it a prove-it deal, right? The player has to come in. He has to prove it to the team that he's worth more. But I think with Cam Newton, this concept of a prove-it deal, it's a bit different. Because Cam's not, he's not proving anything to the Patriots, per se. I don't think he wants to prove anything to the Patriots. Cam Newton wants to prove something to everyone who ever doubted him. And continues to doubt him. And continues to slander his name. That's who Cam Newton's out to prove right now. That he has always been that dude, and he still is that dude, in spite of the injuries and despite of the hardships that he's faced in the past with his career. And the fact that he's going to the Patriots, I think, is going to be quite beneficial for Cam. I think the offensive system that he's entering right now with uh with Josh McDaniels, it's perfect for him. It's perfect for him. And I know everyone thinks of Cam as this gunslinger, right? Because he's so physically gifted. He has this powerful arm. He can throw the ball 65, 70 yards downfield. But he's really at his best, y'all. Cam Newton is at his best when he's doing exactly what we've seen Tom Brady do with the Patriots year in and year out. Playing the underneath game. Dinking and dunking. Timing routes. That's where Cam Newton excels. Let me tell you something. Cam Newton, to me, played the best football of his career, not the season in which he won MVP, but the season that he got hurt. The season that he got hurt, it was the middle of the season, it was against the Pittsburgh Steelers, he hurts his shoulder, he hasn't looked the same since, but before that point, Cam Newton, to me, was playing the best football of his career. And the numbers weren't flashy. But there was something different about Cam. He was a lot more efficient with the football. Completion percentage, it was up. His efficiency was up. His turnovers were down. Quarterback rating, up. That was the best Cam Newton that we've seen of his career. And the reason for that, new offensive coordinator Norv Turner comes in and he emphasizes what's going to be emphasized in New England. Short, quick passes. He recognized, hey, Carolina, receiving core is not that good, man. We're not beating anybody off pure talent when it comes to our receivers. We're not going to be able to bomb things downfield. So... Let's play to what we have. We have a bunch of dudes who are quick. We have a bunch of dudes that are athletic. 
we have a bunch of people that can create separation quickly. Cam Newton plays his best football. That's the exact situation that he's stepping into in New England, except it's already been established for him. Julian Edelman. It's the king of that stuff, man. Except now, instead of Tom Brady dinking and dunking, right, like we've known him to become so good at, you have Cam Newton, who also has the added benefit of being able to make those plays off schedule when things break down. Right, when Tom Brady, when things broke down for Tom Brady, what did we see happen? The dude had to take a sack. When, you know, there was a chance for a play to be extended and somebody's open way downfield, Tom Brady can't make some of those throws. He doesn't have the biggest arm. To me, what you have in Cam and might be a bit of a stretch, right? Because Tom Brady is undoubtedly one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. But from a talent standpoint, Cam Newton, I would say, is significantly more physically gifted than Tom Brady ever was. So if he gets acclimated in New England, which I believe he will, could get dangerous, y'all. It could get very, very dangerous, especially for a dude who's out with something to prove in Cam Newton. But, with all that being said, we're not just talking about Cam Newton here. We're talking about the team, the New England Patriots as a whole, right? Carlos' take was that they'll go win a a Super Bowl. Max' take was that the team won't even win six games. Talking about the team, y'all. And for what it's worth, the team has got a pretty tough schedule that they have to face next year, man. Very tough. I mean, you're looking at... I mean, we all know that the AFC East is, you know, give or take, it's been weak in years past. I think it's on the come up. We saw Miami take down that Patriots team last year. Now they have Tua Tungavailoa in there. They have Austin Jackson at uh, left tackle. We saw a Bills team that was coming up. And we saw a Jets team that I believe had the best draft of any NFL team. I think the AFC might be on the slight come up. They're not going to be the most dominant uh, division in the NFL. But I'm not sure it's going to be the same cakewalk that we've seen the Patriots uh, walk through in years past. But look at the out-of-division schedule for the Patriots this season. Seahawks, Raiders, Chiefs, Broncos, 49ers, Ravens, Texans, Cardinals, Chargers, Rams. Duh, that's a pretty tough schedule, man. By my estimation, at least eight of those teams are going to be competing for a, a playoff spot. Seahawks, Chiefs, 49ers, Ravens, Texans, Cardinals, Chargers, Rams. That's no cakewalk. Denver is likely to be no cakewalk. Even the Raiders. I could see the Raiders as a team that that could take the next step forward. So the Patriots, they don't have an easy schedule, man. Not by any stretch. So, Mac, I might be able to see your point. Maybe they don't win more than six games. But with all of that being said, one thing we cannot forget 
when it comes to the Patriots. One crucial fact that we cannot sidestep. Nine out of ten times, that dude Bill Belichick, he finds a way. Bill Belichick will find a way, damn it. If it's through strategy, if it's through cheating his ass off, if it's through sheer force of will, Bill Belichick finds a way. And for that reason, I'm going to have to bake your take, Mac. I don't think there's a chance in hell that any Patriots team ever puts that poor of a season together where they're 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 five and eleven or worse. Bill Pelichek will not allow that to happen. And he will literally walk into the other team's locker room and steal somebody's playbook if he has to. <laughs> He'll literally just take the playbook out of the opposing quarterback's hands if he needs to. I don't think that Bill Belichick will ever let something that disastrous happen. But on the flip Carlo, I'm gonna take your, your I'm gonna take your take, man. I'm taking it. I don't think that Cam Newton winning Super Bowl with the Patriots will hurt Tom Brady's legacy at all. I think his legacy's too solidified at this point for really anything to, to shatter it. But I don't think it, it's that much of a stretch to assert that Cam Newton and the New England Patriots could win a Super Bowl. We've seen Bill Belichick in the Patriots against some pretty steep odds go win multiple Super Bowls. We've seen Cam Newton reach the very cusp of winning a Super Bowl. Assuming that the dude's healthy, which I believe, given all the time that he's spent off getting recuperated, I think we're going to see a healthy Cam Newton. Given that, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility at all Maybe not next year, but in the coming years as he gets more and more adjusted to to New England. I can see that being a Super Bowl winning team. No doubt about it. Because the fact of the matter is, Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick, they've never had a dude like Cam Newton to play with, man. Well, they have had a physical specimen to play with before. Randy Moss, and we saw how that turned out. Give those dudes special athletes. They'll produce special outcomes, and that's what Cam Newton is, is a special athlete, and again, he has something to prove. So, I do think that that team, at some point or another, wins the Super Bowl. However, I don't believe it'll tarnish Tom Brady's legacy. So, Carlo, I'm taking yours. Mac, I'm sorry, everybody. I gotta bake it, man. Gotta bake it. Next up, we got a good friend of mine and good friend of the show, Eddie's son. Eddie says, Eddie asserts, Eddie... It's another word. Whatever. Eddie says, if I were an NBA GM, I'd rather have Brandon Ingram than Jason Tatum moving forward. Eddie, you know I love you to death, man. But you got to get baked. (laughs) You got to get baked. I mean, Brandon Ingram has been great this year, undoubtedly. Dude was an all-star. But... The Tatum that we saw before the COVID break, that dude had me sold. If that's the Tatum that we're getting moving forward, 
And obviously there's going to be ebbs and flows and ups and downs. But if that's the standard, that's a top five player in about five, six years. No doubt in my mind, that dude was ridiculous. That dude was utterly ridiculous before this break. He's got the scoring chops. He's got the shooting ability. He's got the, the handle. The defense, that's such an underrated aspect of that dude's game. He plays such good defense. You could put that dude to one through four, he's going to hold it down. Switchable defender. He's got the clutch gene. He's got the confidence. Add that to what I believe is, is an, uh, an improving playmaking ability. It's not all the way where it needs to be, but it's getting better, and you can see flashes of improvement over time. Give me that kid out of St. Louis, man. Give me the give me Jason Tatum 100%. And really, it's nothing against Brandon Ingram because I, I like Brandon Ingram as a prospect too. Not even as a prospect, as a player now. I like Brandon Ingram as a player, but you know I struggle to pinpoint areas of Brandon Ingram's game in, in which he's substantially better than Jason Tatum. There's bits and pieces here and there. Like, he's probably a better playmaker than he is. He's a better playmaker than Jason Tatum is at this point in time. He's probably better at, at bringing the ball up and facilitating the offense than Jason Tatum is at this time. But overall, the areas where you can pinpoint and say definitively Brandon Ingram is and projects to continue to be better than Jason Tatum at that. There's not that many, that, there's not that much stuff. There's not that much stuff. So give me the dude who I think has higher upside, a better scoring ability, better defense. I'm taking Jason Tatum, man. I'm taking Jason Tatum every day of the weekend. It really might not be close, man. Really might not be close. You know what? You know what? Brandon Ingram's actually better. I'll give you something. Brandon Ingram was better at Jason Tatum at getting a haircut, picking a hairstyle. Got him. Got him. I mean, can we take a break, y'all? What the hell was that? What does Jason Tatum have on his head right now? Like, what, 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 what motivates you? How can you self-respectingly get in a barber's chair and say, "Yeah, that's what I want"? Or better yet, you know that moment after you get a haircut and the barber hands you the mirror and you have to give him the okay, like, cool. I'm cool with this haircut. Let me pay you your money and get out of the shop. How can you in that moment look at yourself in the mirror, see the haircut that you just got, and say, thank you, Mr. Barber. Here's your money. I'm walking out of the shop now. How can you do that, Jason? Brandon Ingram's always saucy with his haircut, so I'll give him that. But from a basketball standpoint, it's Jason Tatum. Cut, point blank, period. Um, so yeah, Eddie, your take is baked, buddy. Your take is baked. Lastly, Jamon McKinney, always with the hot takes, always, you know, doing great stuff on his show, on his channel, The Juice Alert. Make sure you go check that out. Jamon McKinney, he says, Dwayne Haskins, quarterback out of Ohio State, Dwayne Haskins will win Washington a Super Bowl. Within the te the next 10 years, and a little additional tidbit, Dwayne Haskins is talented enough to be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL one day. Hell no. Hell no. I'm sorry. Like, Jamon, 
You know I got love for you. You know I got respect for you. You know I like what you do. But hell no. No way. No way, as Rob Parker would say, no way, no how. A Super Bowl? Can we even think about the playoffs first for Washington before we start talking about Super Bowl? I remember the division that they're in, okay? They have to walk through Philly. You know, I'll tell you as a Carson Wentz fan, as an Eagles fan, that's not going to be too easy, especially in the coming years. The Giants, that's not going to be a walk in the park. And the Cowboys damn sure are not going to be a walk in the park. Washington needs to think about playoffs before they can even venture to think about Super Bowl, man. They got way too much cleaning a house to do. Before they even start thinking playoffs, let alone Super Bowl, man. They've thrown their roster together, like, really with no sense of a clear direction over the past couple years. There's been draft picks here and there, and, you know, they've drafted solid players, but they've really, they don't have a plan. You can tell that there's no real concrete plan going up there in Washington. They're just doing things haphazardly, and they're suffering the repercussions for it, especially with their free agent pickups. They're still getting burnt by that Josh Norman contract. There's no plan up there. There's no sense of direction. And I know people like to look at the Ron Rivera hire and say, okay, this is what needed to happen. But it's not like they've given Ron Rivera the autonomy to operate the entire organization. He's not leading the charge. He's just the head coach. There's only so much they can do. You still got Scott. What's the dude? Scott McLaughlin? McLaughlin? Something like that. He's still the GM. Dude punched a freaking wall after he heard that that Josh Doxson tore his hamstring or got injured or something. And Josh Doxon's not even good. <laughs> He's getting angry over a draft pick that wasn't even good. Granted, he got uh, Scary Terry. He's a good player. But I wonder if he stumbled into him rather than, you know, actually uh, assessing his talent accurately. No, I don't trust Washington as an organization at all to put a Super Bowl caliber roster together. Not even I, I'm not sure I trust them to put a playoff caliber roster together. They haven't done that since Mike Shanahan was the head coach and RG3 was the quarterback. Come on now. We can't even think about Super Bowl yet when it comes to Washington. We can barely think about the playoffs. And as it comes to your take about Dwayne Haskins being a top 10 quarterback, I'm less opposed to that idea than I am to the idea of Washington going and winning a Super Bowl. But I'm still I'm still baking that take, man. You're getting double baked right now. Because here's the thing, Dwayne Haskins, in all likelihood, won't be a top 10 quarterback, not necessarily because of his talent, but because of the people he's going to have to compete with, right? Here's just some of the young quarterbacks that are up and coming in the NFL or will be entering the NFL soon that Dwayne Haskins is going to have to usurp in order to be considered a top 10 quarterback. Mahomes, he won't be any better. We can just throw that out the window. That's one dude. Lamar Jackson, There's, I don't see a world in which Dwayne Haskins surpasses Lamar Jackson. Deshaun Watson, no way. Carson Wentz, by my estimation, no way. Uh, Dak Prescott, I highly doubt it. Sam Darnold, I have, I'm a very big believer in Sam Darnold. I think given the right receiving core and really the right offense in general, dude's going to take off. I don't see Dwayne Haskins as being better than him. Kyler Murray, we don't even have to have a conversation about that. Kyler Murray's head and shoulders better than Dwayne Haskins. Tua Tungavailoa. By my estimation, 
better quarterback than Dwayne Haskins. Joe Burrow, better than Dwayne Haskins. Daniel Jones, about the same. Uh, Dwayne or Daniel Jones showed a little bit more this season than Dwayne Haskins. But if you wanted to have the argument about who was going to be the better quarterback long term, we could have that discussion. Baker Mayfield, that's a give and take. Right, he could be better. He could. It's it's going to be dependent upon which Baker we get going forward. Year one Baker or year two Baker. I think it's going to be more year one Baker, but that still remains to be seen. We can have that discussion. Josh Allen, that's going to be a tough ask. Josh Allen showed a lot of stuff this year. Trevor Lawrence, not in the NFL yet, but the second that dude enters the NFL, you better believe he's going to be gunning for a top ten quarterback position. Trevor Lawrence has immense talent. Jordan Love, another dude who I think has immense talent. Jared Goff, eh. But that's 15 dudes off bat. 15 dudes. Dwayne Haskins doesn't pass those dudes. He's not even, he's barely in the upper half of the NFL. So maybe, maybe one day he starts sniffing that 14, 13, maybe even 12 range, but to say top 10. That's very, very tough. For me. That's a tough pill for me to swallow, man. It's a tough pill for me to swallow just because of the amount of talent. I mean, I haven't even brought up Trey Lance. Trey Nance. Trey Lance. I, I forget. what I think it's Trey Lance. Trey Nance. The dude out of North Dakota State. I haven't even brought up Justin Fields. I haven't even brought up Keaton Slovis. All these prospects. Brock Purdy. Coming out of college in the next couple of years. Immense talent. Dwayne Haskins doesn't have to surpass all of those dudes. I just do not see it. For him to be in the top 10, no way, man. No way. And damn sure not winning no Super Bowl. You see, you got me cussing on my show, man. You got me cussing on my show because of your baked hot take. I'm baking it like a potato, man. Get some butter and some, some pepper in there. Maybe we'll have dinner. But yeah, man, I'm baking that take. I, I'm not with that at all. Um, so I think that's going to do it, y'all. I went through five of them, and the plan is for me, on Monday when I release this episode, all of the hot takes that I did not address in this episode, I kind of pick and chose the best ones. For the ones I didn't address, I'm going to address on the Instagram story, so be sure to go check that out. All of y'all who don't hear your hot takes in this episode, you're going to see them on the Instagram story, so I will be giving you guys a response. Um, There were a couple of good ones. Um. What if Kareem was on the the Celtics with Larry Bird instead of on the Lakers with uh with Magic Johnson? Couple of pretty good ones. So I, I'm gonna address those takes on the Instagram story. Make sure you go check that out. Before I get out of here, man, on this topic of Washington, right? I have that word on the brain because that word has been you know topic of discussion as of late. Teams have been they uh, not teams, but. Big uh, big financial influences within the NFL, Nike, FedEx, they've been threatening to pull their money because Washington's team name is racist. And in this social moment, people are tolerating racism less and less, and they're calling it out where they see it. So now, as we speak, or as I speak right now on Friday at 10.19 p.m., there are being discussions had within Washington over whether or not they're going to change their name. And 
it's good. It's a positive thing. I'm glad that Washington is finally, it seems like, going to come around and change their name because it's something that should have happened long ago. And that's really where my beef is. That's what I want to address right now is that it should have happened long ago. This was a topic of discussion for years. I remember watching a South Park episode that was seasons ago. And it was Dan Snyder, and it, you know how South Park does it. It's all parody, it's all jokes, and it's about how you know Dan Snyder doesn't want to change the name of Washington's football team or whatever. Years ago, seasons ago in South Park. And it's just now, just now is something being done about it. And the reason that something's being done about it now, rather than earlier, is because money's involved. And I made a tweet about it. And the second that I saw that, you know, all of these financial influences were coming in and saying, we're not going to allow this. We don't want this to be your team name anymore. I, I said it. Money talks. Watch. That was the only tweet I had. Money talks, period. Watch. Because in, in a capitalist society, right, that's what happens. Money talks. And it's frustrating to me, right, that... That's what it takes to have influence, right? And for to influence people and organizations to do the right thing. For so long, a little bit of a voice crack there, but we'll keep it pushing. For so long, Washington's held this name that was racist. And Native Americans have been, excuse me, Native Americans have been forthcoming with their thoughts on this. They said, change the name. It's racist. It's not cool. It's derogatory. It's a slur. We take offense to it. And Washington refused to listen, and no one was holding Washington accountable for listening. Up until now, when the money's involved. And now Washington's willing to go and discuss changing the name. Why is it that we as a society can't just listen to people? I said it in my piece, a letter to my white friends. Take the same expertise, and I'm paraphrasing, take the same expertise that you have in me, or excuse me, that take the same faith and trust that you have in me when it comes to sports and apply that to my and others' opinion when it comes to the issues facing my and their community. As a black person, when I tell you something's afflicting the black community, there's no need to challenge it. Just listen. As a Native American, if a Native American says, or a group of Native Americans, if a tribe says, the term... The R term is derogatory. It causes pain. It's a slur. There's no need to put it up for debate. I don't care how long the Washington team name has been, the Washington team has been called what it is, right? There's no need for a debate there. Just listen. Just listen. I promise you, people do not care. People won't care if they're the Washington Red Tails or if they're the Washington Senators or if they're the Washington 
I don't give a craps because frankly, I don't give a crap. That team's yet to make the playoffs. And like I said, since RG3 was the quarterback and Mike Shanahan was the coach, nobody cares. Nobody cares what the team name is. Nobody cares how long y'all have been called the R word. Just change the name if people take offense to it. It's not that hard. It's really not that hard. And it, it, again, my overarching point here is that it's frustrating to me that it took teams threatening or, or organizations threatening to pull their money to get to the, this to get Washington to the point of having a discussion. That's unacceptable. I know we live in a capitalist society, yada yada. I'm not going to get into that. But I'm encouraging all of you out there, right? Don't get motivated. Don't be motivated by what's most beneficial to you. Just listen, man. Just listen. With that said, that'll do it for this episode of the Reagan Griffin Jr. Show, the first ever episode of the Hot Take Fridays slash Mondays. I don't know what it's going to be. I think it honestly makes more sense to switch it to Hot Take Mondays, so I'll probably do that going forward. But this will be the first and only episode of Hot Take Fridays. So thank you guys all so much for all of your participation. Like I said, if you didn't hear your take in this episode, you're going to see it on the Instagram story. So make sure you go check that out. Go follow at the RG2 show on Instagram, on Twitter, so you can keep updated with all of the fun stuff that I have in store. I'll have a guest scheduled for next week, hopefully. I'm sure he's going to come through, but I have a guest scheduled for next week. So stay updated with all of that. It's going to be exciting stuff. It's going to be entertaining stuff. It's going to be all of the latest and greatest in the sports and sports adjacent world. You know what we do here on the Reagan Griffin Jr. Show. Thank you guys all so much for tuning in, and I will see you next week.